Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Bedrock. How's everyone doing? Yeah, are some of us depressed? The Florida Gators lost by two points last night to Alabama. Uh, some of us are like, we need church today, right? Like, we, God, we need you to make things right. And so um, I'm, I'm bringing this chair on stage today. I'm just a little tired, so it's going to be a little different than normal. I normally don't sit, but um, I don't know about you, but anybody else like burn out a little bit? Anyone else just a little bit tired? So if you would just be patient with me today, I'm going to sit down. Is that okay with everybody if I just sit down for this? Okay, I'll stand up sometimes, um, but not often. And so... Uh, but today, actually, that's the title of today's message, uh, I'm burnt out. And I don't know if you all are sensing that or feeling that, but, like, life is getting pretty hard. In fact, like, part of the reason I'm tired is um, our son Jude, he's three, and we just actually bought him, like, a, a full-size bed. And how many of you know that that doesn't go well all the time, right? Like, yeah, yeah some of the parents are like, this is a nightmare. I know what you're living. But... Uh, so it was time, you know, for him to come out of his crib and, and move. In fact, he was jumping over his crib like it was like a, like a pole vault every night, like 13 times. So we figured, like, it, one time he had a scratch on his head, and I was like, what happened to you, bro? And he's like, oh, my face hit the ground when I got out of the bed. <laughs> so we were like, okay, this might be beneficial for everyone. But, you know, Jude has been coming out of bed and coming into our room basically every night, multiple times a night. Uh, where he's coming in. In fact, the other morning, it was like 2.30 in the morning, and he, you know, that creepy time when the kid walks in to your side of the bed and is breathing in your face, um, like, and scaring you to death. Well, so I, like, woke up, like, oh, hey, you know, and that's a great way to wake up is startled, right? Like, that, it's really easy to go back to sleep after that. Um, and he just said, oh, I just want a hug and a kiss. And I was like, oh, everyone, oh, you weren't there at 2.30 in the morning when he woke you up. And so I said, oh, man, I love you. Here's a hug and a kiss. Get back to bed. Get, get back to bed. And in fact, to help with this process, our older two girls, Piper and Tatum, they're real troopers because they've been going in and, and kind of laying with him and trying to go to bed with him so that he, he'll actually fall asleep. Uh, and so that, that's been part of kind of this reason why I'm just I'm tired, right? We're, we're living through like the newborn phase again just three years later, and I'm getting older, and so I can't live like that anymore. And so your prayers would be appreciated. Just say, God put you to sleep, okay? Um, but not only that, like, let's be honest, we've been dealing with probably the hardest two years of our life for many of us, at least as a culture and a world, right? Like, I feel like the world is tired. Has anyone noticed that people are a little bit on edge right now? Like, people are kind of mad about everything, and the littlest thing will set them, like, more than before. It's kind of like everyone's, like, if you've ever been to New York City, no one's friendly, everyone's mad, and everyone assumes the worst of you right away. Like, you say hello, and they're like, what do you want? And you're like, just saying hi. Okay, you're obviously wounded. Um, I feel like that's the whole world right now. You know what I mean? Like, everywhere you go, like, it, it, people are freaking out, and actually, um, a PhD, her name is uh, Jennifer Barham. She's actually started to do research on this currently in the pandemic. She's started to research the effects that kind of this 
fear season has had on us. And look, you don't have to be afraid of, of the virus or the vaccine. You don't have, but you're, it's a season of fear that's all around us. People are just freaked out. And not only are some people freaked out about the virus, they're wondering if our life's ever going to go back to normal. They're wondering, like, what's going to be happening and what's going on in our lives? Like, is this ever, are we ever going to be done with this? Right? And so there's an actual new term that's been coined for the season that you and I find ourselves in globally as a people right now. It's called cognitive dulling. It's like your brain, because it's dealing with so much fear, all of the time is actually dampening down. And when it's dampening down, it means you have less patience to, to deal with life. How many of you have been fearful or maybe felt anxiety or felt like something's on the edge? And because of that sense of anxiety or fear that you're sensing, you know, anxiety and fear are very closely attached. Anxiety is a form of fear. It's a worry. It's a worry about the future, that things aren't going to work out. And how many of you, like maybe you can relate to this, when you're anxious and worried, you lash out at people, right? You have like a very short fuse in your life. This is what they're finding is causing this, this kind of uh, cognitive dulling, social isolation. That's what this whole two years has been about, right? Stay away from each other. Even the fact that we have to stay, you know, they're recommending six feet apart. For some of you, you're the close talker in the room. You're the one that like everyone has to back up two steps when you walk up to them. They're like, you're breathing on my face. I need you to back up, right? This has been so hard for you. Everyone else is thankful, but... Um, or new routines. How many of you, your routines changed? How many of us, the way we walked back into work changed with temperature checks or masks or your desk being spread apart or having to clean everything, right? Like your, your gym, it changed. Poor boundaries between work and home life. Can anyone relate to that? Because we're all, a lot of us are working from home, you're expected to be reached at any moment. At 8 p.m. email, people are like, why, isn't, why aren't they responding? They're working from home. What's the big deal? It's not kind of helped us. This work from home environment has not helped us compartmentalize our lives. Entrepreneurs understand this, right? If you're an entrepreneur, you're always answering the phone. You always got to be ready to do this. Well, everyone's kind of experiencing that burnout. Oh, juggling having children at home while you work. Nearly impossible. I'm just going to tell you, it's nearly impossible. Some of us haven't recovered from that. We're going to need counseling for years just to deal with the two months that we had to deal with the kids at home. How about countless decisions about safety? Can I go to the store right now? Should I go to the store right now? I'm tired of paying for groceries delivered, but I don't know if I can go out. Video conference meetings, heightened stress levels, worry about the future, about emotionally processing loss of life. I mean, I, I will guarantee that we know someone in our sphere of influence, maybe not directly, that's passed away from COVID. We, we do. You know, and, and we're processing this loss of life. And even if it's not necessarily that, we're more aware of loss of life right now. Right? We're, we're aware of what's happening. We're hearing numbers all of the time. We're hearing all of these things reported. And so we're just super aware. And all of this is leading to this fear culture that we're living in, which is leading to burnout. In our lives, it's just leading to burnout. And what we saw last week in our story was Mary was living in burnout. I mean, if you watch Mary in that first uh, episode of The Chosen, she's burnout. In fact, she's not just burnout, she's demon-possessed, right? 
That's what actually happens in that story is that Mary is possessed by seven demons. And at the end of it, that last clip we watch is Jesus healing her and relieving her from that. You may not be possessed, but you're certainly influenced by fear. You're certainly being kind of run over in your fears. And if you say, well, I'm not afraid of anything, then you're a sociopath. I'm not kidding. The definition of a person who fears nothing is not a courageous person. It's a sociopath. Do you know that in order to be a courageous person, fear has to be present? You're not courageous if you're not acting in the face of fear. And so if we're all honest with ourselves, there's probably part of us, every time you get a tickle in your throat, how many of you are like, I got the Rona. It's a here. It's arrived. Right? You got a cough and you're like, it's over. I'm done. What am I going to do? Right? Like you're go to the worst case scenario, right? Because fear has been dominating you for so long. And me, this isn't something to be shameful of. It's something we have to now deal with. And right, we learned last week that when Mary encountered God, her fears were always calling her by the wrong name. She was always being identified by her past, her mistakes, and her fears. And some of you, that's what's going on. You're just being named by your fears all the time, and you're getting burnt out in life. Well, we saw that when Jesus entered the situation, everyone was calling Mary by the wrong name. Lalith, like the wrong name. And finally, at the end of the season, at the end of the episode, Jesus calls her Mary. And he quotes to her Isaiah 43, chapter 1. And when he does that, she's ultimately freed. See, you and I have been answering to the wrong name, but now that we can answer to the right name, I hope some of you last week experienced freedom, whether in person or online. I hope you experienced some freedom in your life that you actually heard the name that your Father in heaven has given you, and that can release some fear. Because when you remember what your father names you, you remember who your daddy is. And when you remember who dad is, you remember, like, how many of you believe your dad was the strongest person in the world and could beat up every other dad, right? Like, my dad's stronger than your dad, and he will get you, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, even the girls said this boy, Tatum, she had a boy that has a crush on her at school. And she came up to me, and she's like, Dad, I got to tell you something. And I was like, what? She was really worried about it. She's like, I found something out today. And I was like, what? Like, what, what's the bad news? You're, you're eight. What's the, what's the bad news? And she's like, there's a boy that has a crush on me in the other class. And she, like, looked at me like, are you going to kill him? And I was like, well, you know, that's flattering. That's nice. And she's like, well, I don't like that he likes me, right? And I was like, well, you know, that, that will change one day. But she was kind of like, but, Dad, you don't need what? And I said, what's his name? And she was like, I don't want to tell you his name, Dad. Some of us need to tell our fears our dad's name. Hey, I just want to remind you who my dad is, who my father is in heaven, and I don't have to bow to you anymore. I don't have to answer to you anymore, fear. I don't have to do this. And so that's what we see that happens in episode one. But let me just tell you something. Burnout is an an absence in our life of rest. And let me just tell you something. Rest is not doing nothing. Okay? How many of you have been lazy? Sorry, ooh, that's a mean word. How many of you have rested all day and watched Netflix or something all day, and then you, you're more tired? Because you didn't actually rest. You just did nothing, right? And that's where we've gotten confused in our culture that rest is doing nothing. That's the furthest thing from the truth. 
We, we have to begin to realize that the answer to our burnout is rest. But how many of us don't actually know how to rest anymore? So today we're going to look at that. We're going to talk about rest. So I need a little bit of participation from you today, okay? This message came at the perfect time. I needed it. But everyone knows this day called Shabbat. It's a Jewish day of rest. Shabbat actually means rest. We get the word Sabbath from it, right? And in the Jewish tradition, Saturday, basically Friday night to Saturday night is Shabbat. It is a day of rest. And so on Shabbat, um, if you come with us to Israel one time, we'll be there on Shabbat. You'll experience Shabbat, and it's an unbelievable day. Actually, I'm so um, sometimes convicted on how serious they take rest. Like, it's serious. Uh, maybe a little too serious, but serious. But everywhere you go on that day, they say Shabbat Shalom. Everyone say Shabbat Shalom. Look at your neighbor, say Shabbat Shalom. So you didn't brush your teeth this morning. I'm just kidding. All right, so you need some rest. Okay, Shabbat Shalom is this particular phrase that Jewish people say on the Sabbath day, and what it means is restful peace or peaceful rest, however you want to do it. But the idea is that peace would enter your mind and your heart, and you'd be able to rest. And how many of us know, unless we, we make peace and have peace in our life, which means fear has to be absent, we'll never actually rest. Right? Because that's like why Netflix isn't helping you. Because the fears that you have and the worries are still running in the back of your mind. You have no peace. So you have no rest. And so today, we're going to take a look at how do we actually do this. And so we're going to study Mary. We're going to see Mary in, this, in these uh, films where she, we're going to deal with a Sabbath day. Okay? So draw your attention to the screens and check out this first clip. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense? I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you you are healed. That that much is clear. I, I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> How long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. 
been redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? He performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have to be home to prepare for Shabbat, as I'm sure you do. So men that you're even hosting Shabbat dinner. It will be nothing like yours, I'm sure of that. But I'm going to try. Shabbat Shalom, Mary. You notice some things change for Mary? You notice that when Mary was called by her real name, when she was stopped by stopping to identify with her fears, she had changed. For the first time, we see her smile. Right? Like she is beginning to see who she really is in this life, and she's beginning to really understand what's happening. And notice that even she, Nicodemus is so surprised because he's like, you're so changed. He remembers trying to heal her from demons, and the demons wouldn't even answer to Nicodemus, who's this high authority in the Jewish tradition. And even in the first episode, Nicodemus says only God could cast that out. So this man who comes and heals Mary, he is completely surprised. She's completely transformed and made new. And that's what the power of God is in our lives, that we can be completely transformed. He says, you're so different. You're hosting Shabbat dinner. For the first time in Mary's life, maybe in a really long time, she's able to rest. She's able to begin to find peace in the midst of her hard time. And so here's something that, that we need to realize in our life. Life is not about what you know, but about who knows you. Right? We say it all the time. Life's not about what you know. About, it's about who you know. I think that's a little bit wrong. Because for you and I as believers in Christ, for you and I as people who are Jesus people, it's really about being known by him. Right? This is exactly what Isaiah 43 says. Isaiah says, what changes Israel, what changes Jacob, is not that they know God, it's that God knows them. God has changed them, and that's where we're going to find ourselves. So we ended last week with Isaiah 43.1, but there's some effects that happen when you're known by God that can help to bring peace into your life. Listen to what Isaiah 43 says. We're going to start in verse 1. All of these bad things have happened to Israel in chapter 42. 
They're in a fear state. And so God enters the situation and says, I have something different to say. Verse 43, chapter 1, or chapter 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, which is a name for Israel, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. This is his command. Hey, do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. How many of us are feel fearful over our past? How many of us, our past is constantly reminding us of all of these things, and we're answering to those fears again? God says, I, you don't need to fear. I've redeemed you. I've made you new. You don't have no reason to be afraid. He says this, I have called you by name. You are mine. See, what Isaiah is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that it's not so much about what you know, it's about who knows you. And look what happens when God knows you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am, this is going all the way back to Moses, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, and for so many of us, sometimes God needs to remind us of his faithfulness in the past. Right? Even in this passage, we go back to maybe the Red Sea. We go back to maybe the Nile. We go back to some of these moments where God did the amazing. But Israel has a current circumstance that was very similar to a flood. In Isaiah chapter 8, it talks about the Assyrians and the Babylonians coming in to take Israel. And the Bible describes it as a great flood. And so for the people of this time, they would be taken back to probably one of the most catastrophic moments that they had experienced as a people. These, these brutish people came in and totally overwhelmed us, totally took us over. And God says, but you are mine and I know you and I want to tell you that you will not be consumed by the fire, that's what they would see when the Babylonians came in and took their cities. Where they would say, you won't be overwhelmed or drowned or be overtaken by the rising floodwaters or the rivers going over their banks. He says, I know that Babylon did that, but what I'm here to tell you is you don't need to fear, for I have redeemed you, and that's not going to happen again. Not because of what we know, but who knows us. That's where the power is. The power is in God. The power is in what he does. But how many of us know that your fears can tend to have a big effect on you? Right? Like even some of us in this moment, as we're thinking about this, when we got freedom last week from some of our fears, they crept back in. For Mary, did you notice that when Nicodemus calls her by her old name, she reminds him of her new name, but she's a little bit shook. It's like her past is coming back to haunt her. And don't you think that's a tactic of the enemy? On the day you're supposed to rest in the presence of God, that he would start to remind you of all the things that have gone wrong. How many of you, your past replays on repeat as you walk into church? For some of us, church is a really hard place to go to, not because we feel judged by the people, we feel judged by ourselves before we walk in here. It's a struggle, it's a battle, and what the enemy's trying to do is steal the peace that you're about to experience by reminding you 
of your greatest fears. And so you and I have to realize that those things, those things that happen in our life do not need to be reminded. We need to tell our fears and remind them of who we actually are. I'm a redeemed person coming in here to gather with God's people in God's presence for worship, for healing, for energy, and for rest. In fact, that's exactly why God established the Sabbath, this day that they're going to celebrate. The Sabbath is about rest. But it's not just doing nothing. It's doing, it's doing less, it's, but it's really about focusing on the presence of God. That's where true rest comes, and in God's presence. Listen to Exodus chapter 20, what it says in verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. See, you and I are never going to fully rest and are always going to find ourselves in burnout if fear is not removed. But notice what happens to Mary is fear kind of begins to creep in in the story. Fear begins to kind of remind her of what's going on. And we're going to see that more as she prepares for the Sabbath. She's getting ready to host Sabbath dinner. Check out this clip. so glad you came. Oh, thank you, Miss Maddie. This is a fine place. Oh, thank you. Are we on? Is it still on? Yes, Shula. How did you find us? I followed that mule, Barnaby. <laughs> Not that he waited. Looking as handsome as ever, Barnaby. Come. Lucky guess, Shula. <laughs> is this the place? If Maddie's here, it is. Do I know you? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm James. This is Thaddeus. We were told this would be a good place to come. We can leave if it's awkward. Oh, oh no, oh, please come in. You are most welcome here. So, can we help? Oh, no. Well, uh, yes, I... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you see food. That's a victory. If I'm not doing something or doing something wrong, you tell me. Oh, nonsense. It's already great. I can't remember the last time I was invited to Shabbat dinner. Me, never. you never been to Shabbat? Of course I've been to one, been to lots. Just never got invited. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the extra seat for? Oh, uh, for Elijah, am I right? I, I remember my mother always setting an extra place for Elijah. That's only for Passover. Just once a year it's said. Oh. Well, when Seder comes, I'll have a head start on setting up. just... <laughs> 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 Notes. <laughs> Let's see. Can I read it for you, Mary? Stop it, Barnaby. I read better than you. <laughs> My father taught me. Very impressive. 
<sighs> uh, oh, uh, is the first star out? Yes, let's eat. Like I said, you are very popular. Or it's a Pharisee here to shut us down for letting you be here. Hello, Mary. Hello. It's good to see you. Yes. Yes. Did you notice what happened? Mary is preparing for dinner but the mistakes start to compound, right? Like she leaves a seat open for Elijah and Jesus in the Passover and understanding this whole meal, that's a whole nother sermon. I promise I'll give it to you one day. But the fact that, that, that she sets a place in her mistake for Elijah at the table um, tells us a different message. And how many of us know that sometimes the mistakes that you make give an opportunity for God to work? But notice that Mary is starting to spiral. Like she is finding herself making mistake after mistake after mistake. Her inadequacies are staring her in the face. Her inadequacies are starting to show like she's nervous. Is the first star out? Is this, let me read this and let me do this. And her fears are being awakened. Does anyone in here ever feel that way? Like things are spiraling and you kind of find yourself getting caught up in all of these old fears? All of these old moments, because here's what I know to be true. Old fears die hard. Old fears die hard. It sounds like a Bruce Willis movie, right? <laughs> but here's the deal. Your fear is dead in Jesus Christ, but the enemy's going to haunt you like a ghost. And I'm just going to tell you, without knowing who you really are in Christ and that he knows you, fighting a ghost is nearly impossible. And that's why so many of us have a hard time overcoming our fears. But Mary is spiraling. Things are not going well. She's a little bit nervous. But look at what happens here in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. See, Isaiah is going to give us insight into what's going on. See, because some of us are always expecting to God, God to do what he did, and we kind of live in the past. Let me just tell you something. You can't live off of the crumbs of an old blessing. You've got to look for the new blessing. You've got to believe that God's going to do it again and do it more. You can't always live off of the leftovers. Some of you have been coasting off the leftovers of God's blessing in your life for too long, and you're not looking for something new. Look at what Isaiah chapter 18 says. Remember not the former things. He said, yep, we did it, but you can't live just there. Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive the new work that God is doing in your life, even right now? Behold, I am doing a new thing, and it springs forth. He says this, I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. How many of us are in a wilderness right now? Your spiritual life is dry. You're not experiencing God, and so you're not experiencing rest. And so some of you, like, getting here and being here is one of the hardest things to do because it just doesn't seem to be working because you're living off of old blessings. And you're not looking for something new that God is going to do in your life. God wants to do something better than what he did before in your life. He didn't do it then because you weren't ready to receive the blessing. But maybe now you are. But are you believing and looking forward to the new thing that he's going to do? 
The reason you're not finding rest is because all you're doing is remembering the past and maybe you're not believing that God can do it again. I mean, how many of us, maybe this is us, we remember things of the past and what God did and we just get anxious that it might happen again. How many of you, you remember the circumstance you were in when you needed the miracle and now you're getting stressed out that you might need the miracle again. And so the remembering hurts because you're not believing that he's gonna do a new work or refreshing work or maybe what he did healed you in that season and you're fully healed, he's just helping you realize it. And so you're not believing for this new thing. And so because you're not believing for a new thing, you're not walking in the spirit and you're walking in the flesh. And because you're walking in the flesh and trying to accomplish spiritual things, you're experiencing burnout. You've made your spiritual life about the way the world does spirituality. And you're wondering why, hey, why am I not experiencing rest? Because you're working in the wrong direction. It's kind of like you need a hammer for the job, but you brought a screwdriver. So you're using the old thing, the thing that isn't meant to get you through this moment, and you're wondering why this is so frustrating. Because you're not looking towards the right thing. Old fears die hard. And sometimes when those old fears make their way into our life, we grab the old tools. But the fear has changed from when you were first healed from it. It's dead. Now you need something different to fight the memory. So you need a new tool. But that can happen to so many of us so many times. Do you ever try to do something for God kind of in your own effort and it just gets too hard? It just gets tiring. And when you get tired, how many of you know those fears kind of rise up? And when you get tired, you get more in your flesh, right? I'll just give you a perfect example. How many of you go shopping at the grocery store when you're hungry? Hunger is to remind you that you need to eat or you're going to die. You realize that? You need to eat. Uh, if you don't eat, you'll die. And so it invokes this kind of almost biological response of fear. I need to go figure this out, right? If you think you're going to die, you're going to go hunt. Some of you are hunting in the grocery store, right? Like, and because you're so hungry, you'll get all of the things you shouldn't eat. You'll get all of these things because you're afraid and you'll do things that you shouldn't do. And then you'll come out and you're burnt out. Your card's on fire because you blew your budget, because you bought all the things you didn't need, and then you bought nothing to make your body healthy, so you're even more tired. Fear has a way of kind of spiraling us and pulling us, and that's exactly what happens. But did you notice at the end of the story, Jesus was the first one to speak, and what does he speak? Her name. He knows that she's in a fear spiral. And so what does he do? He comes to the situation and immediately reminds her who she is. You're Mary. So where are you right now? What fear is rising up? What's God saying to you right now? See, this is a participatory sermon. Sermons aren't just meant to be heard. They're meant to be lived. Is God doing something in your heart right now? Let's take a look at what God does when he enters the room. I don't want to be rude, but... Would it be okay if, if I... Oh, yes, of course, please come in. I just never thought you'd... Um, uh, I have guests here. Uh, this is my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. Rabbi, Rabbi. You already know these men? They are students of mine. I trust they have been polite. Of course. 
Your guests can take the seat. Yes, Mary? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes, of course, please have a seat. I keep saying of course a lot. <laughs> um, Francis is the man I told you about who, um, who helped me. Oh, yes, yeah, Mary told us so much about you. Oh, I hope not too much. I'm Barnaby, this is Shula. She is blind. Ah. In case you couldn't tell. I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I don't actually know your name. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Well, apparently something good can come from Nazareth. <laughs> wow. Mary, I'm honored to be here. Why don't you begin? Oh, no, I, I couldn't know that you are here. You must. Thank you, but this is your home, and I would love for you to do it. Now the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And God. Notice that when Jesus enters the situation, it totally changes. He, in fact, says what? As she's standing there kind of in shock. Can I, can I come in? I think that's probably the issue for a lot of us. In our fear... You haven't invited Jesus into your situation. You've just kind of left him on the outside or you know about him and he's in a far off place and he's at a distance. And maybe some of you are feeling ashamed that you're dealing with the same fears that he already killed. Right? You're hiding it. You're like, man, I, man, I wish I got... You know, have you ever done something that someone's helped you with and then you fall into it again so you hide it? See, some of you, that's what you're doing with your fear. You're kind of holding it close to you and hiding it from God and saying, I, I don't want you to be upset with me that I'm living this way again. And Jesus says, well, that's why I've come. But I want you to notice that when Jesus walks into that situation, where does he take a seat? He takes a seat in her mistake. Right in the place where she made a mistake, which was right across the table from her, that's where Jesus sits. And some of us have forgotten that Jesus is sitting in the place of your mistake. Jesus is sitting in the place of your sin. Jesus is sitting in the place of your worry. The problem is, is that when we get fearful, we begin to look in the wrong place and don't focus on the right thing. Right? I mean, this is exactly what happened, if you remember from our passage in Psalm 23, when David is talking about this good shepherd, but being overwhelmed by the enemy. Listen to Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So let me ask you a question. Who's sitting at your table? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus is sitting in the seat of your mistakes. But the problem is, you and I have fears and enemies surrounding us all the time. That would be setting a table in the presence of your enemies. And what happens is, is we choose to hear the name of our fears, so we turn our head and we focus on the wrong things. Right? Because here's, here's what I want you guys to hear this. What we acknowledge, we give focus to. Are you acknowledging Jesus or your fear? What we give focus to is what is present in our lives. 
It's going to manifest, and what we give our focus to is going to show itself in the way that we live. And what is present in our life will determine how you live. It will determine how you live. It will determine what's going on. And so let me ask you something. Are you focusing on the one who's sitting before you, Jesus Christ, or are you focusing on the enemies surrounding him? What you focus on is what will be present. And what is present will determine how you live. And so do you want to know if your burnout is a sign that you're focusing on the wrong things? Burnout is a sign. Lack of rest is a sign that the things that you're focusing on are the things surrounding you, not the one before you. So where are you? Because here's what I believe. Presence determines paradigm. Presence determines paradigm. It determines the way in which you and I are going to Live. See, because rest is not about not doing work. It's more about the presence of God. Amen. That's why you can find peace in the midst of your work. Church, let me just free you from something. Work was created before the fall. Work was created good before the fall. Work becomes tiresome, wearisome, and burdensome and creates burnout after the fall. When sin enters the situation... And so when you're doing everything in the flesh and not in the spirit, that's why work becomes a burden to you. Do you know that work was created good? Purpose was good for you and I? But because we pervert it into what we need to do, how we need to do it in our own strength, we get burnout. And so burnout means you're living in the wrong presence. You're living and looking at the things that are surrounding you, not the one who's before you. And that's exactly what happens in this clip. Notice that Jesus takes a seat in her mistake right before her. And when she gets freaked out, she looks at the other people like Barnaby. Everybody needs a Barnaby in your life, right? Like her distraction goes, but then she gets nervous again. And he says, I prefer that you do it. And his presence gives her confidence. His presence brings rest. His presence brings peace because he's the king of peace. He's the Lord of peace. And so let me ask you something. Who's sitting at your table? What are you looking at? What's grabbing your attention and your focus right now? Jesus even says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts... Not Be not troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've brought peace. I've brought healing. See, peace comes with the presence of God. And when we have peace, we can rest. That's what Jesus' presence brings, peace. And when you have peace, you can rest well. Let me illustrate this for you. How do we help Jude go back to sleep? We go and lay in bed with him. Because our very presence of being with him is what brings him the peace to rest. It's not about telling him all the truth. Like, there's no monsters. Nothing, nothing's going to get you. The dark isn't bad and all of these things. It's about my presence in the room. And when I feel my father's presence, I have peace. And when I have peace, I can sleep. Do you have the presence of God in your life? Have you invited Jesus in? Or is he still standing at the door? And you've left him outside because you're ashamed of what's on in the inside. 
You're ashamed of all of these things. You're, you're ashamed that you're afraid of them again. You're ashamed that you've been living as if they rule you. You're ashamed. Jesus never brings shame. He might bring conviction, but conviction is always about you turning and getting better. Shame is about suppressing you and pushing you down. Shame is a prison. Conviction is freedom. Right? It's oppressing. Shame just wants to like, push you into the ground where you can't breathe anymore. Conviction is, we don't need to be on the ground. Let's get up and walk the other direction. So what are you feeling, pressing or moving forward? You might be burned out because you're feeling shame and not Jesus' presence. And see, a lie is just as powerful as the truth if it's believed. And the devil's a liar. And he's a deceiver. And he's so good at it, he got Adam and Eve to fall out of relationship perfectly with God in the garden. That's how good he is. Never underestimate how good he is at deceiving. And he'll deceive you and I, and he'll steal from you, and he'll take your joy, he'll take your salvation, and he'll take your rest. Because he knows if he can take your rest, you'll work in your flesh, and you'll dig yourself into a deeper hole. This is what this looks like. Amen, come on up here real quick. I want to illustrate this for you. This is what happens in our life for so many of us. I, I'm not Jesus, but in this scenario, I'm going to play Jesus. And Amos is going to play just every other person. But see, what this backpack represents for so many of us is our burdens, our past, our shame, our fear, our guilt, our lack of peace, our lack of rest. Because how many of you know, uh-oh, he's going down, <clears throat> that when you carry things you're not meant to, you get tired. And so here's what, th- this is what this looks like in relation to the Sabbath and rest. Jesus knocks on the door, and Amos is going to open it, and I can do nothing for him right here, right? I mean, we can look at each other, but that's not experiencing God, that's just seeing him. A lot of people see God and don't experience him, right? So what does Amos need to do to experience God? Invite him in, and this is exactly what happens when you invite God in. That looks really heavy. Let me take that from you. You can just go sit down. I'm going to take care of the rest of this because this is nothing to me. This isn't even a burden. I don't even feel this. I can hold the whole universe in my hand by my word. Your problems, your sin, your shame, it's been dealt with and overcome. You can rest well now, my son. Thank you, amen. (laughs) That's exactly what happens. But see, what some of us do in our, our shame and our fear is we grab this back. Because we feel like we deserve it. Because we're reminded of it. And what you're doing is picking up the burdens that God has taken away from you. Or you're piling on new ones. And you have to keep inviting Jesus into your life, his presence into your life to experience true freedom. You've got to invite him in. And so what do you and I need to do? Like, How do we actually do this? Jesus makes it really clear with that analogy. There's a scripture that backs it up. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Here's a Blake translation, burnout. Come to me, all of you who are burnout, and I will give you, everyone say it, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find, what's that word? Rest Rest for your soul. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so how do we take on Jesus' yoke? You have to make a trade. This is what Augustine calls the great exchange. You give God your sin, your shame, your past, and your fear, and you hand it to him, and you take on him. But notice, I'm not taking on anything burdensome. In fact, to take on his yoke, this thing that holds you here, is to be lifted up by him. Your day, your time gets lighter. And so what do we need to to change? We're going to exchange some things. We're going to make a trade. See, we're going to trade worry for prayer. Because in prayer, I'm going to invite God into my worry. I'm going to invite him into the burden that I'm not meant to carry, and I'm going to give it to him, and I'm going to say, you need to take this from me. This is your place in the universe, not mine. Instead of condemnation, we're going to, we're going to make a change for praise. Because when you feel condemned, you need to praise the God who doesn't condemn you any longer. You need to sing to him and worship him and read about him. And so when you feel condemnation, all that is is a reminder in your soul of what God has done for you. Start using condemnation in a new way. That instead of reminding you of your past, it reminds you of your future because you're no longer burdened by that. Thank you, enemy, for reminding me of who I no longer am. I'm not that anymore. Thank you for reminding me of my good future by trying to remind me of my past. You know why I'm not condemned or in a burden of school anymore? Because I don't have to go back. When I drop my kids off to school, I'm like, man, I'm so thankful I'm not in school anymore, right? And you know why I can live that way? Because I'm reminded of the burden and now I'm reminded of my freedom. Instead of listening to lies, we're going to trade that for reading the truth. This book is so important because it's God's letter to you. This is God's actual word to you. And sometimes when you hear a lie, you need to read the truth. It's much harder to misinterpret this than it is the lie and what you hear. Instead of obsessing over our problems, we're going to meditate on Jesus. We're going to use that as an opportunity to make a switch and a trade in our life. Instead of doing it ourselves, we're going to allow God. We're just going to let it go. We're going to follow his leading. When you allow God to do the work for you, you can rest while he's doing the work. Instead of feeding our own desires, we're going to start to feed our spirit. We're going to make a trade because fear will cause you to be in your flesh. But if you get into Jesus and you get into his, his realm and his spirit, you'll find rest. You'll find this place where you can walk in this way. But here's the other thing. This is why we gather as a church. This is why online is a great second-tier option because we're going to do it together because how many of us need a friend or another believer to remind us in our life who we are? You are no longer that thing. God has redeemed you. God has saved you. That's why we gather like this because there's freedom and presence in this place right? Because it's the gathering of God's people and God's place to experience God's presence. And let me just kind of illustrate this for you in one final way. I'm really not that burnout. I'm really not that tired. I just needed to illustrate to you what presence can do. Because you notice that the whole time I've been up here, because I brought something into the situation and invited it into my work, I was able to rest. See what inviting it in does. See what bringing something into the presence of your hurt, your worry, your sin, your shame, your guilt, your fear. 
It allows you to actually rest. But a stool's a great idea, but a great idea doesn't help me unless I actually use it and invite it in. For some of you right now, Jesus is a great idea. He's a great thought for you to have. But you haven't actually invited him into your life, and you're not experiencing his presence. So he's just an idea to you right now. In order for him to be real to you, you have to invite him in and ask him to take the seat at the table where your mistakes are. And instead of seeing your mistakes, you see your Savior. You see Jesus. And he's doing exactly what he did with Mary. I'm really honored to be here. I'm really happy that I'm here with you today. My presence at the table will actually bring you rest. My presence will actually bring you peace. And you can rest well, my child. See, we're all burnt out because we've been doing everything in the wrong way. Are you tired yet? One of the greatest gifts that God can give us is burnout. Because when you come to the end of your rope, you got to grab onto another. And God is offering you a life preserver right now. You're at the end of your rope. And he looks at you, and he's looked at all your effort, and he's looked at all of the things that you've been trying to do, and he's been watching you be overcome and burn out. But he's patient. He'll never force you to grab the life preserver but he'll always offer it. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.